Well, a very good morning. You're very welcome along to the gardening show here on Midwest Radio. Good morning to you, Porik. A very good morning to you, Viv. Good morning to our listeners. Okay, we're going to be doing our letter very shortly, but uh, you wanted to mention something at the top of the show. Just a small thing for charity. Um, A a young chap called Robert Joyce, who lives in Balavari, he's actually son of Azana and, and Bernard Joyce, um, they live in Balavari and they've got a beautiful woodland area they've oh. planted that they planted over the last 25 years all native Irish trees and they bring a lot of the schools a lot of the primary schools to walk the woodland and they teach them about the native Irish trees and the flora and fauna and so on and, and about climate change but Robert who is only 12 years old he's actually has come up with a great initiative I think um, for raising funds for the U- Ukrainian appeal and he Robert has decided only 12 He's got a lovely tunnel at the back of his house yeah. and he's growing sunflowers and has grown sunflower plants that he's going to be putting on sale. He sold some in Balavari on Friday and did very, very well. But he's coming to the garden centre Sunday the 19th. So that's Sunday week. Coming to the garden centre in Turlock, he's going to bring all his sunflower plants that's with him stuff, yeah. and he's going to put them on sale for charity. He's charging three euros a pop. And for these each. are actually grown? They'll be ready for planting into yeah. your garden soil. And sunflowers, of course, are a great biodiversity plant because yeah. they bring in the honeybees, they bring in the bumblebees. They're fantastic then, particularly in the autumn. They produce the lovely sunflower seed and the birds, all our native birds, will feed on. If you let the sunflowers... The flowers fade, but let the seed set. The birds will come in in the autumn and they'll feed on those right through the late autumn, early winter period. So sunflowers are great for children to grow because you can nearly physically see them growing. They grow so fast. So Robert has grown quite a number of plants. He's going to bring them in Sunday week. So it's not this Sunday. It's the following Sunday, the 19th. He's going to be in the garden centre. I'm going to give him the best spot in the place. He's going to be there from 1 to 4 p.m. And he's, and he's going, going to be sell selling the, 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 the sunflower plants that he grew himself from seed Amazing. in the tunnel. And and I thought it's a nice connection with Ukraine because Ukraine, of course, is known for the growing of sunflower seed for sunflower oil. Believe it or not, they grow 14 million tonnes of sunflower uh, seed, which which obviously they produce the sunflower oil and supply all of Europe. Um, and U- Ukraine is known for that. So I thought it was a lovely tie-in between... Um, so between 1 and 4, the 19th. 1 and 4, Sunday the 19th. Um, come on down, meet Robert, and um, you know you can have a good chat with him, and, and he knows so much about about uh, native Irish plants and native Irish trees as well. And so that'll be something we'll remind listeners next weekend. Yeah, he because sounds I think like it sounds like a fabulous young man. Absolutely, absolutely. No, it'd be very interesting and lovely to see the. He's only twelve. He's only 12. Amazing. And yet he's doing his bit for Ukraine. I thought it was a lovely tie-in with the sunflowers as well. So there you go. Okay, then will I read the letter? Do please. Okay, dear Jerry and Viv. <laughs> That's yeah, Jerry. Jerry, well, I presume it's throwback to Jerry Daly, maybe. All right, so, okay, we'll check. Dear Porrick and Viv, I uh, love your weekly programme. I'm new to gardening and I've just moved to our new house in January this year. So this is in Roscommon's Cathy. Our new home is a typical semi-detached modern build and our garden is in two parts. The first part has a small garden area to the front and a parking area for the car. The front area is grassed, but is very small and not suitable for my small children to play on. The back garden measures 60 metres by 40 metres wide and is south facing. It has a timber panel fence, uh, but no other planting except for a lawn area. All right. I wonder, can you give me a couple of simple ideas to start with in relation to both the front and back garden and what areas are are planting should I prioritise as I want to plan and plant the areas 
over the next couple of years. So this is a and, long-term project. Yeah, and that's the way to approach any garden yeah. is to look at it over a number of years because a garden should evolve as, as your children and your lifestyle is evolving. You need your garden to expand and, and evolve to, to, to you know, make... make uh, so that you can use it for all sorts of family events. Yeah. So really, it's in two parts, and it's probably <clears> atypical <throat> of a lot of estate gardens, Viv, with small area to the front. Yeah. Obviously, if the back garden is south-facing, the front garden is going to be north-facing, so shade may be a little bit of a problem there. You won't get as much light yeah. in the front garden. And atypically, people have, like Cathy describes, a small bit of lawn, and a driveway for parking the car. But often the, the lawn is really of no use. It's it's too small really for the children to play on, as Cathy has said. Yeah. But yet it needs, because it's grass, it needs to be mowed every week and it has yeah. to moss control and weed control. So in a small area like that, I actually advise people to get rid of the grass because grass is the highest maintenance area, particularly in a small area. So if you've got small patches of grass that really have no function or yeah. no purpose or you can't use them and they're more of a nuisance than anything else my advice is to plant those up into a low maintenance garden so for example Kathy could create a lovely maybe Japanese style garden to the front which, with uh, smooth stones with Japanese maples maybe some um, hostas ferns they're all low maintenance plants because you're using the gravel and the stone again it's you can rake it maybe Every, once a year and that's all it's going to require so yeah. put in low maintenance area to the front possibly get rid of the grass completely you could do rather than the Japanese garden you could do a small miniature cottage garden so remember that Nepisha I was telling you about yeah, yes, the do. tall walker walk, the, the uh, six hills giant which oh, grows about yes, a metre high yes. there's a lovely dwarf version of that called Parisian blue which only grows a foot in height yeah. and has that lovely cottage garden effect so Cathy could create that small cottage garden look to the front of the garden again taking out the lawn and putting in low growing easy maintain so gravel as well um, you could use gravel or you yeah. could use bark in the cottage garden but many of the cottage garden plants have that great ability to spread out and ah, smother yes. the weeds so you know the hosta bed I was showing you a couple of weeks back with the, the large past of hostas the hostas are terrific for spreading and covering the ground so once they fill out as they have done in yeah. the last number of weeks there's very little maintenance to an area like that so either a cottage garden effect which again would tolerate the shade or a Japanese style garden effect where you're using quite a bit of gravel some ground covering plants, Japanese maples, hostas, ferns, that type of look to the mm. front of the garden. So consider planting the front area and, and possibly reducing the, the lawn. The amount of lawn. Yeah. A, Good great, idea. Yeah. a great tip for all listeners, the Borbia did a great, in, in association with Bloom this year, they've actually made available seven uh, designer garden plans that are up on the Borbia site and it's called, simply called Easy Steps to Your Dream Garden. So if you Google that, you'll have seven different plans and all sorts of plans, you know, simple things like there's an easy care garden, for example. So it, it lists all the plants that are easy to look after. And if you plant them in your garden, you'll end up with an easy care garden. Or they've got a, pl they've got a plan there that I think would be suitable for Cathy called the Shared Spaces Family Garden. So this was a garden designed by Jane Corkrell. And the idea was designing a garden for a young family, a family of teenagers and, and adults. And Jane created a garden with three specific areas, one for the teenagers, one for the adults, and one for the combined yeah. group. And the combined area had things like covered structures. So something like the Palram, that Sierra, the, the, it's a covered unit that comes off the house. So when you walk out of your patio doors, you're walking in under a covered space. You can have your fire pit, your barbecue, your heated area. So 
you're creating that covered space, but you're still out of doors. And maybe Cathy could look at that as well, because it's a south-facing garden. It's going to, particularly to the back of the site, it's going to be getting full sun. Yeah. And having a covered area just off the main building will be a lovely area for the family to be able to sit out. Thinking of the kids, a, a good idea is to create a kid zone or a kid area. So, for example, rather than putting up the the standard... Um, what do they call them? The you know the bouncing uh, bouncing castle. No, the, well, the no. frame. You know the frame. The oh well, trampoline. Trampoline. That's trampoline. what I'm trying to think of. Yes. Rather than putting the standard one, you can actually fit a trampoline into a gravelled area or a lawned area, so it's actually flush at soil level. So you don't have the this big awkward trampoline in the middle of the lawn. How does that work? So all you do is you dig a pit, you fit the pa- trampoline at ground level, at grass level into the lawned area. So the children literally come out onto the lawn, straight onto the trampoline. They can use it and you don't have the structure. No need for the netting or no need for the large structure. It's taking up minimal space. So we've used that quite a lot in particularly for young children where you're designing a garden for young families, sinking the trampoline literally at soil level. So it can be in a, a, a lawned area or an area of the garden and it takes up minimal space. And you and wouldn't need the net around You don't need the net and you don't yeah. need this frame, frame. Also including maybe, you know, a slide area or a slide area where, again, the children can use to a climbing frame, for example, in an area. So dividing up the garden into little zones and those zones can stay for a couple of years and then you change them into something else as the children are getting older. Key consideration really for all gardens is to look at the shelter and particularly privacy. And if you're living in an area where you've got homes, and I think this is an estate in Roscommon, so obviously... The, there is a panel fence. And the panel fence over time is going to going to deteriorate. It's going to rot over a 10-year period. So consider maybe planting some very slim um, evergreen hedges that would, again, take over when that panel uh, fades away completely. So maybe put in something like grisolinia or hornbeam that you can actually trim and shape and and keep it neat and tidy around the perimeter of the site. Also look for areas that might have um, views. So if you've got overhanging windows, windows from neighbouring houses, overlooking a specific area of the garden, you may need to strategically plant a pleached tree or an ornamental tree just to block the vista and block the view. So keep an eye out for that. So we tend to start with the boundaries, putting in some good, secure boundary hedges, some trees that will, again, aesthetically look well, but also block, have a purpose and block a particular view. Have you any suggestions on those types of trees? Well, if you want something evergreen, you've got you've got pleach trees or trees trained like a lollipop. So they've got a nice clean stem and they've got a square head, as it were, or a round head, depending on the shape. So if you want something evergreen, you could look for things like the Eleagnus abengii, holly works really well, Portuguese laurel. They're all evergreen. They retain the foliage 12 months to of the year and they grow anything up to about 10 or 12 feet in height and you can buy them quite mature so you can get them at six or seven or eight feet depending on the vista that you want to block so they're a good addition to any any site and then really to look at the garden itself plan plan it on paper it's the the cheapest and easiest way to do it look for some of the the borbia designs because there's seven different designs and they vary from coastal gardens to in-town gardens to the easy care garden that, that I mentioned, yeah. the shared family spaces garden. There's, there's ideas in each of those that you could adopt to your own garden. Yeah. And the final piece of advice is really take some photographs of the area, bring in your air coat and pop him to your local garden centre because it, having the photographs for us to be able to go through is very helpful to give us that overall sense oh, of what the garden yes. is going to look totally. like. Yeah, yeah. But also if you've got your air coat, 
on the computer we can look at a satellite image of your specific house. So with oh. your AirCord address, I'm able to look down actually on your site. And that's great because it, it shows me how close the other properties are to you, how close you are to maybe an exposed area or a seaside area. It gives us a very good indication of the location and possibly the type of soil that you've got as well. So make sure you bring the AirCord um, with and you. you. But also some photographs as well. That's a great visual uh, representation of, of the garden and, and it's easier to explain through pictures. So really, my advice to Cathy is sit down, plan it on paper, visit the Borbia site in particular. Do you have that uh, email? It's that Borbia.ie yeah, and Borbia. it's simply the Dream Garden Steps. There are seven different plans. They're for specific areas and um, some south-facing, north-facing, east-facing. So irrespective of your aspect, there's a garden design, but it's about taking pieces from each of those, like the covered space, like the individual spaces for the children or the teenagers and an adult area as well, um, and, and just planning your garden. And also, you know, maybe including some edible plants as well as a raised bed. A raised bed is a great way of dividing a space within a garden mm -hmm. as well. And Jane Corkrell uses in her garden, she uses raised beds very effectively to create three zones, three independent zones and the raised beds of course are planted up as well. Yeah and just finally on this one because I know I have a few questions I want to ask you before we go to the break uh, would you recommend any particular grass like is there a hard wearing grass if lads are playing football out in the garden? And Yeah the, the, the easiest one of all is one called green velvet so yeah. when you buy grass in your local garden centre it's generally a mixture of different uh, species of grass. Green velvet is a mixture from memory I think of five different grasses. They're predominantly hard wearing they're low growing, they're spreading. So they're, it's easy to maintain, but it's also hard wearing. So children and pets um, can actually play on it. And this is the time of year, particularly with the weather we've got this year uh, for sowing lawns. So if you're, if, if you need to repatch an area or sow a new lawn, then get down the green velvet seed now, put in some preceding fertilizer before you put on the lawn seed and the weather conditions and the temperatures at the moment, it'll be up in, in 14 or, or, or 15 days, it'll germinate very quickly. And really good planting weather at the moment. You know, June we sometimes can be, quite, can be quite dry or could be quite dry, but this year with the moisture levels we have, the planting conditions are absolutely superb. Now, we're going to get a slap on the wrist Go here, on. you know, okay. Uh, good morning, Midwest. I have already sent in this question three weeks in succession. So that's probably my fault. That's your fault. All right? uh, to Porris Garcia. I would really appreciate it if you could answer it today. So here you go. I have some rhubarb growing that hasn't done any good with the last two years. We put some farm, mar, farmyard manure on Great. it and it hasn't done much good since. Can you help? Josie. Well, Josie, I mean, farmer manure is the right thing to, to apply. Generally, you, pl you apply the farmer manure. At, first of all, it needs to be well-rotted farmer manure, at least three to four years old. It needs to be nearly turning into soil itself. Put that on in the winter months when the rhubarb is dormant, and that works its way. The worms will pull it down into the down into the roots of rhubarb because rhubarb is a very hungry plant. If it's, if it's in the same situation for a long time, Josie, you may need to divide rhubarb because over time the plant runs out of space effectively and tends to produce small thin sticks and the time to split rhubarb again is in the winter time so if it's if it's there for quite a number of years and it has kind of slowed down in terms of producing its lovely red sticks that's an indication it has just ran out of root space and the plant is fighting for the plant is so big, so the division, dividing it, rejuvenates the plant again and you, you start it off effectively from the beginning again. So Josie is doing all the right thing. The other thing with rhubarb, particularly as it's growing well, it needs plenty of moisture because when you think of it, it grows from nothing up to, you know, two feet high or over two feet 
uh, producing the lovely red stems in a very short period of time. Yeah. So it needs plenty of moisture and the farmer manure is great for that as well. So it sounds to me like that rhubarb patch maybe needs to be divided, split out um, you know, and put back in some young plants and, and, and start the process all over again. But the farm manure definitely over the wintertime, if it's well rotted, is the perfect thing to be doing. Now, uh, just one more before, just a quick one. Uh, Jim in Tipperary. All right, Tipperary. Said, yeah, okay. I know. He's listening to us down in Tipperary. Good morning, Jim. Mm. Uh, could you tell young householders what hedges not to set? My heart is broken from conifer and palm trees mm. and they're so costly to take out. The Lelandia, is this. Yeah. So Lawson Cypress and Lelandia were planted back in the 70s and 80s as, yeah. as kind of in many gardens. And look, a fabulous hedge if you keep it trimmed and keep it neat and tidy, but once it get, gets out of hand and, and they produce about a metre of growth per year, so they get out of hand very quickly. And that's the problem with Lelandia. They get too broad, too tall, and eventually have to be taken out and it can be quite costly. And that goes back to getting, you know, picking the right plant for the location, like I mentioned with Cathy, bring in the pictures, picking the right hedge to suit the location. So if you want a hedge that's only, you know, up to maybe a metre or, or, or two metres high, you want something relatively slow growing. Um, or if it's an urban garden, obviously you want plants that are, that are easy to maintain and, and are relatively slow growing. So picking the right plant to suit the right location is critically important. So my advice always is take the pictures, pop into your local garden centre and pick the right plant um, the right hedging plant. Now, Mary was upright and early this morning. She sent this in to me at 7.22, okay? okay so yeah. have a look at this. Will oh, you lovely. please be able to identify yeah. this, please, yeah, yeah. if you can? So that's one of the viburnums. That's viburnum opulus, um, which is a beautiful flowering plant. That's the plant. same plant, isn't it? The same plant, yeah, yeah. yeah. So obviously, uh, so what we're looking at here is a picture with the beautiful white flowers. Now, they're just going out of flower at the moment, Viv. And once the viburnum finishes flowers, it produces a lovely berry, a lovely red or, or nearly orange berry in the autumn that the birds absolutely love. Um, so it's a very, very easy plant to grow. Viburnum. The, yeah, so Viburnum, make sure, um, what's the listener's name again? Uh, I just want to know what it oh, is. Oh yeah, so the, but, but the key thing really is not to prune it. Don't don't trim it back. Let the flower set now. It'll produce the lovely red berries by September. And once the berries go, that's the time to prune it back. But it's Viburnum opulus, um, easy plant to grow, very common. Is there another name for it? No. Um, the, the Gelder Rose, it's called. Gelder, Gelder Rose, Rose yes. yeah. You'd often see it growing wild, actually, in hedgerows. Yeah. And it's a lovely plant to mix if you want a native... Irish kind of, um, you know, hedgerow with white thorn and black thorn. The Gelder Rose, a lovely plant to mix through it. Now, Mary, I hope that uh, answers your question. Let's take a quick break, actually, and I'll yeah. be back with lots more. And you're very welcome back to us at The Garden Show. And uh, you're scanning through the emails there, Porrick. Yeah, loads there, of questions. Yeah. Okay, great stuff. Now, here's one for you. Uh, my garden borders are always so colourful in springtime with tulips, alliums and aquilegias. Oh, lovely. They, and yeah. wallflowers, but lacks coloured from July to October. What plants can I plant now? So uh, it's a good question, because, and this often happens where people come to the... So they want summer and autumn colour. Oh, right? and, and autumn, yeah. that's no problem. But that often happens, Viv, where people come to the garden centre and, of course, they pick the plants that are in flower all at the one time and you end yeah. up at a garden that looks brilliant in springtime or summertime or autumn time depending on when you visit your lo local garden centre. So it's very important to be always thinking about that, to be planning for colour at different months of the year. Um, so obviously all the plants you mentioned there have been flowering up to now yes. and they're finished flowering and they're going out of flower now so the garden is obviously devoid of a little bit of colour. So some of the summer flowering plants that will actually give lovely colour even now at this time of year the salvias are just coming into flower. These are perennial salvias. There's one 
one called Misty, which is a lovely blue flowering one, uh, a color. It comes in, they come in shades of red and also in shades of pinks. So look for those, the salvias. These are perennial salvias that come back year after year and they flower right through. If you deadhead the old flowers on them, they go right through until early autumn. Um, lupins are in full flower at the moment so if you want kind of a splash of colour just now that will continue for the till the end of June or up to early July lupins are terrific and again you need to deadhead them on a regular basis but one of the plants for me that gives tremendous colour from first week of July right through until October are the Paniculata hydrangeas and these are the ice cream you, you often heard me mention them before they produce these lovely cone shaped flowers oh, yes. right through the, the summer and they flower up until November so I'm thinking of varieties there's a lovely one called Magical Andes which it starts to flower white and then turns to pink um, Phantom for me is probably one of the best varieties of summer flowering hydrangeas Whims Red is a lovely one that starts again white and ter- turns to red in the autumn period and Vanilla Freeze again starts white and turn, turns this lovely raspberry colour but they on their own will flower literally from early July right through until October you've also got lovely plants like the um, Nepita that I mentioned earlier which is yeah. flowering at the moment but flowers for such a long time and that comes in, in lots of different varieties and different heights so that Parisian Blue is a really short one or Walker's Low is that really tall one which gives lovely colour Penstemons which are shades of, of reds and pinks, are lovely. Verbascums, are, are again, the flower buds are starting on verbascums and again will flower right through to the end of the summer. There's a lovely ver- verbascum called Dark Eyes, which is bright yellow with a chocolate centre. Um, so my advice really is pop into your local garden centre now. They've got lots of cottage garden plants. They'll, we'll have the hydrangeas that I mentioned, Whims Red, Vanilla Freeze, Phantom. Um, they'll all be available now for planting. But all the cottage garden plants, again, if you deadhead them during the summer, they will continue to flower right through until early autumn. A lovely plant to flower in the autumn are the sedums. Sedum spectabilis flowers in late September, October. The bees love it. Or asters are absolutely brilliant. Chrysanthemums flower in the autumn. Rudbeckia will be coming into flower in July, but again, will flower up until October. So there's lots of really good choices to get now, uh, particularly if the garden is a bit devoid of colour from, you know, mid-June through to to uh, late autumn. Okay, lovely stuff. Uh, I have a picture, so come on over here to me yep. and we'll have a look at this here. So we have this one there, and the question is, uh, good morning, Porrick. Uh, this is my son's lawn. Uh, lawn seed was sown mid-April. Initially, the grass started to grow and then this happened. So right. explain what it is. Okay, so what we're looking at here is a collection of weeds that are, are have, have taken over the lawn. And this is quite common. When when you sow a lawn and you obviously you're raking the soil, you're bringing the natural wildflower seeds up to the surface of the soil. Are they docks there now? There's a load of mixed weeds. There's a, a You've got docks, you've got uh, speedwell, yeah. you've got a load of different weeds germinating. And of course, as the lawn seed is germinating, the weeds are germinating as well. The key tip when you're sowing a new lawn is to, and I think I mentioned this last week, is once the grass is about inch or inch and a half high, you start to trim it. For two reasons. First of all, the grass starts to tiller, it starts to fill out and build, and, and cover over the bare patches, but also you're eliminating most of the broadleaf weeds. So um, you're, you're cutting back things like groundsel and red shank and, and all the weeds that are germinating 
in, in association with the lawn seed, you're, you're eliminating those as well. So regular trimming, trimming of a new lawn is critically important. So once it's cuttable, start cutting it and that helps to reduce the weeds. That particular lawn is quite heavily infested with weeds. My advice, if it's not too big of an area, would actually be to treat that with weed-free 360, which will kill off all the weeds that are there um, and, and reseed the area again because it's, it's 90% weeds and 10% lawn. So the key tip is really to start trimming it as early as possible. Have a look at that, watching that lawn. Oh, that's that's a fabulous lawn, absolutely. That's look beautiful. At what are those trees at the back? They look like uh, either tuya, placasha, they're conifers um, giving a shelter to the garden and they're very, very nicely shaped. You see yeah. that nice upright shape? That's typical of tuya, placasha. You've also quite a large lawn and then you've the boxwood bed. Yeah. So a, a nice little area. Um, is there any plants in it that, or no, what is the question? Uh, well, it's not a question. It's All just right. uh, Joe said he put zero feed one week ago and he got excellent results. Uh, Joe and Tume says... Oh, uh, brilliant. The, well, that, the lawn yeah. is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And, um, now, look at those. What are they? There's a lovely... lovely line. No. It's, it's boxwood. Um, it could be it, it could be red hot pokers or something like that, Viv, that's planted in the bed. They're too far in the distance there to see. But it's a lovely little bed. That bed will actually suit... The planting of roses, I think, would look really well in it. Yeah, and look at the stripes he's done with the lawnmower lawn and everything. Looks, lawn looks terrific. And look at this is a great time of year for feeding uh, lawns in general. If you want to get that nice green colour in the lawn, particularly with the weather we're having these few showers, feeding the lawn again at this time of year is ideal. Okay, yeah, and you know, and the the, the likes of this, isn't it great for you to see that? You know, you, you pictures you, are fantastic. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're fantastic. Now, what have we got here? Uh, we bought two packets of freesia bulbs, uh, and uh, this is what came up. They are pretty. And uh, that's what I wanted. Any clue what how this has happened? What, what so they're irises. They're irises. Yeah. Um, so you've got iris, which again are planted from a bulb in, in early spring and they come into flower at this time of year and flower every year after that. So they're absolutely lovely. Okay, lovely so stuff. So iris, iris bulbs. <clears throat> Is it possible to grow dwarf dahlia plants? They flower for so long, but I can only grow my plants in pots and tubs on the patio. So I need shortened dwarf plants. Will they flower until September? They will. As we have a family occasion. Yeah, Mar- no, so Mar- Margie's wondering. They'll yeah. be at their they'll be at their best actually in September, and th- and that kind of relates to the first question you asked me about summer colour. Dwarf dahlias would be one of the best to give you long, really long period of flower. The key the key trip tick tip with them, trick with them, is to deadhead them on a regular basis, Viv, yeah. and feed them every fortnight with a with a liquid feed, something like Bloomy Magic, just to keep the flowers. The more you feed them, well, particularly every two weeks. And, and as long as you're feeding them on a regular basis, they're going to continue to, to bloom and take off the old dead heads and the dailies will continue to flower. Now, Mary's just come on to us therapy. She likes the, the programme. So she says, I recently had to dig up a big section of the lawn to put in a new septic tank and percolation area. Okay. Any suggestions what I could put in there now that it's, it's easily maintained, obviously, and other than grass seed? Okay, well, if, if I suppose it depends on, on the area. If the septic tank is flush with the lawn, a good idea is to put something planting around the edge of that just to mask it and just to, to hide it off. So again, you could create a border and again, put in some of the cottage garden plants I mentioned, some of the napita, the salvias would be lovely. You know, create that cottage garden effect around that area. A lot of people put in just the, a little low hedge, like the, the boxwood hedging around that area. Um, maybe you could create a border and put in some evergreen shrubs. So plants like the Pittosporum tom tom that I mentioned before, and um, that's quite low 
produces a lovely kind of full shape, easy maintained, but would mask the area. So if the listener is looking to kind of hide off the, the septic tank, because, you know, sometimes it can be flush with the yeah, surface Yeah, but sometimes the lung, they're higher. So or sometimes they're higher. Yeah. And again, you can create a border around the actual sleepers, septic tank. sleepers around, yeah. yeah. And, and again, put in plants that are just going to mask that. Again, there's a great question where taking a picture, either sending it into us or bring it into your local garden centre. So you visually we can see what the issue is yeah. and, and recommend some plants. But again, a great time of year to tackle that project and the weather conditions are ideal. Just a quick one, we haven't Soil done a lot on ponds this year. Is there anything that will stop water in a pond from going green with algae? You can get, you, algae. yeah, and algae normally starts to grow as light levels increase and water temperature starts to increase. So perfectly at this time of year. So two ways of tackling it. First of all, planting the pond. So planting it with particularly um, lilies, they surface lilies because lilies produce their pads right on the surface of the water. So it excludes light from getting into the water. So if you plant it really well, that helps to reduce it. But you can also get um, treatments that you can add to the water. Green away, for example, you mix it in water, you apply it to the uh, the pond. The pond. Yeah, yeah. It's safe for fish and safe for plants, but it helps to eliminate the algae as well. And really start early. So don't be leaving it. By mid-July and August, the algae will, will have covered the pond yeah. so treat it now treat it early and you'll stop it it's like it's like eliminating weeds in the garden you start as early as possible don't let them become a problem so treat it this weekend if you can pop into your local garden centre they'll have the algae treatments it's a simple liquid you mix in your watering can and you apply it to the pond and that helps to get rid of it and like, but also plant it as well yeah and the other thing is well I mean I like the planting idea with the lilies and stuff yeah. but like if you have a fountain in your little pond yeah. for example does movement, that help to circulate? movement of water does it help definitely helps as yeah. well helps to, to, to reduce it. The more stagnant the pond is, obviously, the more you're going to have an algae yeah. bloom you're going to get, and particularly as light levels increase. I mean, once we get into July and August, that's when it's full-blown. Mm. So try to eliminate it now. So put the green away on it, plant it up with some of the water lilies as well, and this time of year, again, your local garden centre will tend to have water plants in, or they'll be able to get them in for you. Yeah, I came across a thing the other day now. It's actually a little fountain in a little pond, right? But it's actually run by the... By solar. Yeah. And they've become very popular. Yeah. And, and and again, going back to Cathy's question in terms of the water, even with children, you know, people are often worried about the water. Those self-contained fountains are brilliant for children because you've got that, um, you know, there's no risk of, of any danger with the self-contained fountains. They're literally just pumping the same water yeah. round and round again. Many of them are solar operated or some of them are simply plug in as well. And the sound of water in any garden oh, is absolutely fab. lovely. Absolutely Particularly if you've fab. got an area yeah. that you're sit sitting. So... Um, yeah, it's a great way to get okay, water. Okay, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to take a quick break, yeah. if that's right, because I want to get into the final part. We have a load of questions to finish off, and so we'll do that after these. Well, you know, we're back in the good books of Mary for answering <laughs> the question. Mary, she looked, thanks a million for answering my question from Mary. Thank brilliant, you, Mary. brilliant, brilliant. Whew. The berries. Oh, yeah, the winter yeah. berry, yeah. Now, let's have a look here. Let's. Can I go through some of these ones you for can, you? can, of course, yeah. Uh, I love the pictures. I don't know if you like them, but I love the actual pictures here. Uh, Hi, Park, my celery plant I planted in raised beds in early May is going to seed. What am I doing wrong? Well, when plants go to seed... Um, look, see it there. Yeah, what it's trying to do is produce its flowers and, and, and generally plants and vegetables in particular will run to seed if they get any sort of shock fave. So if they're this, low in water... Yeah, it looks, it, soil it, looks very uh, dry it, there. It's quite it? dry, yeah. yeah no, but it has been quite... It has been, you know, we have had a relative amount of, of rainfall as well. I would say actually this year with, the, with celery in particular, it's been so cold. 
Yeah. That's oh, celery. And yeah. celery is a plant that, that is um, temperature sensitive. So we normally don't plant it out until early June and really you want warm weather for celery to do really well. Tunnel or greenhouse is generally better for celery or a warm early summer really it needs. So it's the cool conditions and once they go to seed, there's very little you can actually do with stopping it. And the plants are quite small, so they're not really usable either. So plants going to, particularly veg plants, going to flower, going to seed, it's a sign they've, they've had a shock of some system and it's generally temperature related or water related. Now, uh, Kevin in Galway. Good morning, Kevin. Uh, he says, good morning, Porik. What can I put on my patio to kill weeds and grass that keeps on growing? <laughs> <laughs> well, you will, you'll get uh, proprietary uh, pat clear treatments in your local garden centre. They tend to be a cocktail, Viv, of um, a residual weed killer, weed killer that prevents the weeds from regrowing and um, it's a mixture of one that will actually kill the weeds that are there. You want a dry day to apply them. So to pop into your local garden centre, pack clear or any of those would be suitable. Adrienne has been on to us. Hi, Adrienne, on WhatsApp. She sent us a beautiful picture there of a beautiful den. She wants to know what is That's that? That's Hemerocallus. Lovely, lovely plant. Um, Say it, that again. Hemerocallus. Hemerocallus. So it's, yeah. a, it's, again, going back to the cottage garden plants that I mentioned, here's one that you could plant at this time of year as well. And it does flower in, in mid-June. And again, we'll continue right through until the end of July, early August. So this would suit our, our the other listener that was looking for a bit of colour. Um, so again, pop into your local garden centre. Looks Look for some of the cottage garden plants and that's a great one to plant. Yeah, that's beautiful. Isn't it? Now here's another one that the, your, your Inspector Clouseau this morning here now because uh, good morning, Parry. Can you identify this plant? It is in a pot for years, changes colour at times. Sarah, yeah. now just explain what it looks so, like. So what we've got is is a bare stem with foliage right at the very, very top right. and the and yeah, the yeah. leaves are they're they're very similar to the way ash produces its 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 leaves yeah. with that kind of um so each on each leaflet there's there's kind of small maybe seven or eight leaves on each leaflet as it were um it's turning red and orange because it's actually hungry it's in the pot too long and it's actually a little bit starved and plants will often do this again going back to that that you know when they come under stress that they, they, you lose the green color and it goes back to this reddish color so my advice really would be to plant it out into the garden soil it's a plant called aurelia Aurelia, and it's got this kind of um, the stem is very knobbled or marked, yeah. and 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 it's often called the the walking stick or the knobble walking stick plant as well. But to be, it's just an unusual plant. It's grown for its foliage color, but I would plant it out of doors now because in the pot, take it out of the pot. Yeah, it's losing all its foliage. The foliage is right at the top. So she's plant struggling. It out, yeah, plant it out into the garden soil, and today would be a lovely day to do that. And that's no problem doing that. This no time problem of the year. whatsoever. Oh. Plants in pots, there's no problem moving them this okay. time of year. Uh, when should I mulch my grass? I put on lawn feed seven day, days ago. Is it good to mulch? So oh, yeah, the, and the, the, the mulching, mulching thing on the lawnmower. Yeah, I? but yeah. to be honest, seven days is is you, you when you're when you're mulching, you need to be really trimming the lawn twice weekly because you don't want to be mulching law, grass that's that's it looks too terrible. Long. It looks terrible. It looks and it takes too long for it to decompose and rot back into the soil, and you end up with problems with thatch. So if you're using mulcher mowers, you need to be using them on a very regular basis, as in twice weekly. You need to be trimming. So cutting small. So that's why the robotic mowers yeah. work really well, Vip, because yeah. they're out every day cutting the lawn and they're only taking at one sixteenth. 
one sixteenth of yeah. an inch is actually how grass grows per day. One sixteenth of an inch, believe yeah. it or not. So <laughs> the, the robotic mowers are literally just cutting that on a regular basis, and that falls as a as a and decomposes into the soil, and it decomposes within a couple of days. So seven and days. Does that I've, feed the lawn? The, yeah, it, it helps to feed the lawn. It's not yeah. a full feed in its own right. Naturally, yeah. as it decomposes, it helps to feed the grass. But you do need to put on proprietary lawn feed as well, and this is a good time of year. But but uh, Kevin was it has has left it seven yeah. days so I would actually collect the first cut put that on the compost heap and then start to mulch um, three to four days after that and, and continue to cut every two days every okay. two weeks sorry every two weeks two weeks okay oh, sorry now, every twice weekly yeah what am I saying I don't know <laughs> twice weekly when you're mulching so yeah. twice weekly when yeah. you're mulching yeah. okay so yeah. take and take a very little amount take of, a little like, yeah. obviously Regular. you can set your, your lawnmower to have a particular you level could, you yeah. could do yeah as well yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but okay. you don't want to be mulching heavy when the grass is strong yeah put it on the compost heap and then start to mow it twice weekly. When can I take a cutting from a very old climbing reddish pink gorgeous gorgeous fragrant ah, rose? Lovely. And what do you do with it? When this is actually a good cutting? time. It's, yeah. We're coming into the time of year and, and we might do it on one of the programmes about taking cuttings but this, as we enter July, it's a great time to take what we call semi-hardwood cuttings. So these are cuttings of the new growth of this year. Make sure you remove the flowers and the flower buds, strip off the leaves and dip it into a bit of rooting powder and put it covered with a polythene bag. So take maybe six or seven cuttings, put them into a pot and cover them with a polythene bag and it's well worth trying them now. And roses do propagate very easily from cuttings. Yeah, Tim was on there. Now, I know mentioned it earlier about this uh, 400 square yards of a lawn. Right. Uh, what's the best lawn seed mix? I think we'll say the Lawn seed with the green velvet yeah. is the one to, to put on now. Yeah. Okay, and another one here has come in. Uh, would you help to help me? I have lupins in my garden, but the stems are white with a tiny white insect on them. Okay. It has moved up to the flower that is now turning black. Okay. I never had a problem with anything on the lupins before. Yeah, and it's some, well, it's just something to keep an eye out with lupins. They, and we mentioned it a couple of weeks back that lupins get a particular aphid called lupin aphid. And basically, aphids suck the sap and protein out of your lupin plant. Um, so keep an eye on them. If you have lupin in the garden and you've got something like rose clear or any bug clear, for example, it's no harm to put an application of that onto the lupins at this time of year because lupin aphid is rampant during July and August and, and you know, stop it now, I suppose, effectively. Yeah. So um, it's it's an aphid and, and uh, it needs to be removed. Deadhead your lupins as well and don't let the flowers, don't wait till the last flower has gone off the top of the shoot. You know, once they've, they're producing their seed halfway up the stem, it's a, it's the time to start deadheading them. I deadheaded some of my own literally yesterday. So um, deadhead them on a regular basis and they'll keep on flowering right through the summer. Uh, another one here. Good morning, Viv. Uh, can you ask Porik if he might know why a tomato plant is growing well but no flowers or fruit? Now, the, it's a red profusion. Oh, great variety. Uh, Anne wants to know. What, well, Anne, all you need is a little bit of patience on this one because red profusion is probably one of the best varieties. I always recommend it every year. It's a variety that you don't have to stake or take any side shoots out of, Viv. Um, so all Anne needs to do is just leave it. It, it will come into flower. Naturally enough, the, the weather has been, hasn't been has been helping because we haven't been getting the light levels that we need for tomatoes. Um, if you can tuck it into a nice sheltered spot or if you have a greenhouse or tunnel, keep it in there. 
Don't have it too wet, you know, water at this time of year, about once a week will be more than enough and it will flower and will fruit for you. And remember, we're only in mid-June. Tomatoes, you won't, normally wouldn't be picking that, the tomatoes on um, bread perfusion until the end of July, early August anyway. So there's plenty of time yet and it's a very reliable variety. So keep it in a good sunny spot, water it once a week. Don't start feeding it till it actually starts to produce its flowers and its first fruit and then feed it weekly. I have a camellia that never bloomed. No. <laughs> is, is it a good time to replant it? Phil wants to know. Well, it depends, Phil. If it's in a pot or container, certainly you can plant it out into the garden soil, but, but do put down some ericaceous compost with it. That that would be important. Um, and, and the key thing with camellias is actually to start feeding them now to help them to settle down and produce flower buds this, this uh, autumn. Uh, so if it's in the ground, leave it until the autumn to transplant. Can you ask Porik, can you put lime on a lawn? You can, yeah, and there's no harm putting lime. It depends on, on the on the type of soil that you have, Viv. Particularly if the soil is acidic or kind of boggy in nature, lime would be essential actually to put on the lawn. Um, and again, you get bags of lime in your local garden centre and it can be put on at this time of year. So lime is, um, if it's if it's a very limey area, obviously it, it probably won't need it, but depending on uh, the soil type. But lime is, is traditionally can be used on lawns, definitely. Tomato plants on a window, they are growing high and some have flowers. How to care for them now? Well, there's, there you go. So the, so because they're inside, you see, they're they're beginning yeah. to flower. Yeah. yeah, but and it depends on the variety as well. The variety I recommend for indoor on a windowsill is a variety totem because it's it's well behaved and it doesn't get too straggly. Um, once the tomatoes produce, you know, three or four trusses of flower, then you could stop it. You could literally just cut the head off the the main stem and depending what variety it is you might need to take out some of the side shoots as well but once they start flowering particularly once the fruit is about the size of a, a large marble that's the time to start feeding them weekly with a high potassium tomato feed and um, so wash them once a week and feed them once a week keep them in a bright location and trim the head off them and that'll keep them neat and tidy when sowing your vegetables in a veggie pot right what is the pot, best right? yeah what is the best compost and what food should you put in as well? Okay, well, you can you can Bordemona do an organic vegetable compost. You can use that on its own. Or look at multi-purpose compost is perfectly fine to use as well. I would normally use the multi-purpose compost and mix some of the Vitex Q4 vegetable fertilizer into the compost before planting or before sowing seed. With the veggie pod, my advice really would be to plant some plants. If you pop into your local garden centre that actually have plants, things like um, all the salad leaves, and sow some seed at the same time. So don't don't sow the whole veggie pod with seed because you'll have a you'll have a glut of vegetables in six weeks' time. So sow some plants, sow some um, seed as well. And remember, the veggie pod is brilliant at this time of year for things like chilies, peppers, tomato plants are still available in garden centres. Yeah. You buy them as quite strong plants now. Herbs work really well in the veggie pod as well. So all your marjoram, organ or, or, um, or oregano, chives. You know, parsley, parsley anything that you're going Sage. to use on a regular basis, exactly. They're available as plants as well. So use a mixture of different plants in the veggie pot. Maybe some edible flowers as well for the fun. How are your basil plants doing? They're doing really well. Actually, we had them, um, these were the basil that I grew in the coffee cup. Yeah. Last night, I had the scissors out. Uh, no. and <laughs> we had some pizza at home. My son, R Rory, made some pizza, so he we used the fresh basil. So it'll regrow again. So you just trim the top of it, it'll regrow again. So I'm looking forward to another week. It'll be ready uh, to cut it again. Taste good, obviously. Oh, it's fabulous. Totally Homegrown basil yeah. is, is absolutely brilliant. Um, how do you get rid of wild rhubarb? I didn't know there was such a Oh, thing. there is. That's yeah. Gunnera. I was, I was actually down in Ackle over the last couple of days and... Um, 
uh, enjoying the sights down there. But one of the sights is the is the gunra, which is growing wild in Ackle. Very difficult to, to eliminate it. I mean, some of the um, hormone-based weed killers, uh, things um, that we use normally traditionally to kill off, like Bandock or some of those that are used, um, the, the Dicofar, the Dicofar that we use for the lawns, that can be effective, particularly if the gunner is young, uh, but they are they're very persistent and very difficult. You just have to persist with them and keep treating, treating them. Okay, how long does it take a camellia to flower? Depends on the on the plant. I mean, generally camellias, when they're planted, Viv, can take a number of years to flower. You know, they tend to be actively growing and then settle down to flowering. If they're in pots and containers, they tend to flower as younger plants simply because they're confined. But the trick, as I mentioned earlier, is to feed camellias rhododendrons azaleas at this time of year, right through until late August, because they're forming their flower buds over the autumn period. Uh, I know, you, I, I know you, the answer to the next one, but I'm going to say, can you plant roses in a pot? Yes, you can. And there's roses from little miniature roses, you know, right up to, um, there's actually a beautiful, if you want a lovely red rose that's that's short in stature, that'll only grow about 18 inches, with really, really dark red roses, there's one called Europea Anna. Europea Anna. Europea Anna. Anna. It's a dark red rose. It's in flower at the moment. It'll flower from now again till the end of September, October. Brilliant in a pot. It's got lovely dark foliage and these absolutely gorgeous red flowers at the moment. Europeana. Look for that one. But a great time to plant roses and it's a good time to pick them because you can actually see them in flower now in your local garden centre. So, you know, likes of precious gold and precious amber, they're all lovely as well. But you can actually see them flowering now. Adrienne's been back on to us there and she's wondering, are these real flowers? Yeah, they're the, the flowers on the succulent, on the little cacti. So she's got a cacti there in flower. Um, and cacti, like any plant, produce their flowers. And you see how there's three of them or four of them in the pot, so they're quite con- constricted, they're quite confined. And when plants are restricted, um, they, they, they burst into flower. So that's what's happening. So enjoy the blooms. Enjoy the blooms. And generally, from this year on, they should flower every year. Okay then, so um, what are we going to be doing on next week's programme? So next week I thought we'd, we'd do, a, I'm going to record a piece in the garden centre because we've had a lot of questions in about taking cuttings, the sowing of seed. So I'm actually going to bring you into the garden centre next week and we're going to, I'm going to do a practical session, a bit like we did in my house a couple yes. of weeks back. Um, so I'm going to, we're going to begin our hands dirty, Viv. We'll be planting up some containers with some colour. We'll be taking the cuttings of plants as well. And I'll be talking you through some of the plants to plant at this time of year for colour in your garden right through the summer and autumn. So it's going to be more a practical session next Saturday and it'll be a little bit more hands-on. Okay, I'm so looking forward your to that. Yeah, bring the gloves and uh, <laughs> is there anything I'll just to make sure I have my uh, yeah, yeah. my stuff in my hands. Okay, everything. Yeah, sure I'm okay. exactly. I'll be doing all uh, the work. And uh, <laughs> But yeah, look, we'll, we'll do that. We'll, of course, we'll take on, we'll, 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 any questions from today, we might answer those as well next yeah. week. Um, so do you just get a listener there just saying they really enjoyed the programme today lots of information uh, will this fella ever flower for the first reason it didn't get above a foot high the last two years it's been grown like this but no flower I give it some miracle grow on occasion Cliff, Cliff. what is it? Uh, that's a wisteria going closer just to make sure yeah that's a wisteria so again wisteria is look it's it's really healthy Cliff is it's doing really really well continue to train it and bend it down over the arch so it's growing what, up what is that an arch? it's an arch yeah. it's, a, it's a steel arch and, and the plant is planted on one side and it's growing up and it'll come round the edges Wisteria again, a little bit like the camellias, are notorious not fl- to f- not f- not to flower for up to six or seven years after planting. So see it as a teenage plant. It's only young. 
it's doing it, vigorous growth at the moment. It will settle down to flowering cliff. Rather than using the Miracle Grow, use a high potassium feed. So something again like the Blooming Magic or um, any high potassium feed is ideal for wisteria. And our final question: Which variety of Japanese maple tree, if any, would be suitable to plant in a large north-facing lawn? Love the well, show. Many thanks, Sheila and Galway. Most of the Japanese maples do. Acer um, palmatum does really well in north facing aspects. Japanese maples in general tend to like the shade of a north facing aspect because they tend to hold their colour really really well. So um, Osaka Suki is another one which has a beautiful orange foliage but pop into your local garden centre all of the Japanese maples tolerate. I have them in north facing aspects and they do really well um, so, so great and a great time to plant them as well. Yeah. What are you at for the rest of the weekend? Are you going out to the garden? Yeah, so a, a bit of um, weed control, definitely. But so I'm getting the hole out, particularly today. I'm also the wolf. What is the it? wolf. The wolf, the wolf garden the wolf hole. Is that, out, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm having that in spin for a spin for a couple of days. So I'm going to have that out at the moment. Um, I'm also planting up some window boxes and hanging baskets. Still plenty of time to plant. I planted up my own veggie pod only a week ago, so I'm actually I going to start, start harvesting some of the leaves. I was looking at them last night. They're ready for trimming a week gone so I'm going to be doing that as well and um, yeah just enjoying the garden. That's the main thing and uh, so that's really all we've time for on the programme today. Thank you so much for your company since just after five past nine. That's where we got to leave it. We'll be back again and I think we're going out and about next week so I'm looking forward to a, a nice evening there and doing that. On the way Michael Neary with the Classic Country Show and of course Teresa thank you for all your help as always on the show. We really appreciate it. And we'll do it all again next Saturday morning. Till then, look after yourselves.